Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, check, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. This is Sham Radio Network. Looking for a lift? Experience a seat from the soar with Michael Guido of Metter, Georgia. A London church bears this sign. Not everyone who attends this church is converted. Watch your handbags. Some church members profess one thing but practice another. But when one becomes a Christian, he never forgets the reverence due to God, the rights due to man, and the respect due to self. The Christian life is no mere church-going, hymn-singing, escape from the obligations of life. It's real, and it shows its influence in your life. The Bible, in describing a Christian, says he keeps his promise, even if it ruins him. For your free copy of Dr. Guido's Daily Devotional, Seeds from the Soar, write The Soar, Metter, Georgia, 30439. Visit us on the web at thesower.com. Some students are tackling more than just their schoolwork, which is why more than 30% of them aren't graduating. But with a boost from you, 100% of them will have a better chance to make it to graduation. Go to boostup.org to find out how to give the high school students in your community the boost they need to make it through. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. That's the sound of your classmate receiving an attachment of you posing in your underwear. Your ex-boyfriend forwarding the picture to his friends. It being sent to your coach. And worst of all, your dad. All because of the time you posted those pictures on your profile. Anything you post online, anyone can see. So think before you post. For more information, visit www.cybertipline.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Justice, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Happy day. Oh, happy day. He's on. 
And good morning. This is the Morning Gospel Program. What is precious on this TGIF Friday? Our morning scripture is coming from Psalms 57 and 9. That's Psalms 57 and 9. Oh, praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. I've read to you our morning scripture for the day, Psalms 57, verses, verse 9. The, the, the word of God for the people of God. Yes, he will. He's here with me. I'm going to 
Come on, I need everybody in here to help me do it right now. Come on. He's healing me. Come on, I need you to lift yourself up out of that mess that you're in right now. Come on. Some of you have been down so long. Come on, make up your mind right now. I can't lay here and die. I got to seek after him. I hear his voice calling me right now. He's healing me. I'm coming to you broken tonight. I'm coming to you wounded tonight. I'm coming to you right now. I need your presence in my life. I'm going to worship you.
Gospel program, Morning Expressions here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. It's now time for our morning script, our morning prayer of the day. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning saying thank you. Thank you for last night's laying down. We thank you, Lord, for Waking us up early this morning. That sounds a finger of love. And again, let me say thank you. Don't lift up those, Lord, who, who are just getting up. Don't lift up those, Lord, who, who get ready to go to school and go to work this morning. Lift up those, Lord. Who I need those who are homeless, those Lord who don't catch hard to see their way economically. So we lift up those Lord hospital and hospice and nursing homes and who's under uh, who's under some kind of doctor's care. So we lift up those Lord high prison walls, we lift up those, Lord, our school children, those bus drivers who get ready to transport our, these, our children back and forth to school 
in the school. We find it. We find that enemy in the name of Jesus. We cast him back to the pits of hell. In the name of Jesus. We lift up those Lord. We don't know you to part their sins. But we lift up those Lord who who are homeless. Those Lord who who lost their home to fires or some kind of of disaster. But we lift up those Lord those young ladies who being trafficked. Well, we lift it up to you as well. We lift up our family, our friends, our church family, our neighbors, Lord, our pastor, and his family. We lift up those, Lord, who are listening to the summer voice. And you lift up the people listening to us always podcast. Those listening to us to this recorded program. Well, we lift up those, Lord. you'll ever make isn't whether to do right or wrong, but what to do when something is neither right nor wrong. Look to God's Word for help in dealing with life's gray areas, next on Grace to You. probably have fewer headaches if uh, whenever you're faced with a tough decision, you had access to someone or something that could guide you through every possible dilemma. Well, actually, you do have that resource, the Bible. But you need to remember that it uh, doesn't always give specific answers. Much of its guidance comes in the form of principles that you need to dig out and apply. 
John MacArthur goes over a handful of those principles today on Grace to You as he concludes his study called If God's Will is So Important, Why Can't I Find It? Last time, John examined the first four questions you should ask before making a decision about these gray areas in life. Uh, Will what I choose be spiritually profitable? Uh, Will it build me up or slow me down? Will it bring me into bondage? To continue with that list, here now is John MacArthur. Number five. This is a very practical one. Will it, number five, will it hypocritically cover my sin? Will it hypocritically cover my sin? You say, what do you mean by that, John? Well, I mean this. Am I doing it in the name of freedom when the truth of the matter is I'm really pandering my own evil? Look at 1 Peter 2.16. You know, that we want to say, boy, I'm free in Christ. I'm free to enjoy this, and I'm free to enjoy that, and I can do this, and I can do that. The truth of the matter is you are free, but you are simply covering over your lust or your evil desire. The man who says, well, I'm, I'm free to do that. I, I'm free to, to go here and see that, that movie. Why, I'm, I'm certainly free to do that. I have that liberty. I'm very selective. But when he goes there, he goes with the purpose in his heart of having his own evil desire pandered to by what he sees. He merely speaks of freedom as a cloak over his evil. Look at verse 16 of 1 Peter 2. Don't use your freedom for a cloak to cover your evil, a veil over your evil intent. Be honest with yourself. Ask yourself. Is this really something that benefits me spiritually Is for my spiritual profit? Is this something that builds me up? Is this something that um, is not unnecessary bulk but something helpful? Is this something that will not lead me into bondage? Or am I really cloaking over my evil desire? Look at your motive. Look at your motive. You see, Galatians 5.13 says that it's a very common thing to turn liberty into what? License. And you have to guard that. You have to guard that. Let's call this the principle of, so we can stick with our E here, equivocation. E-Q-U-I-V-O-C-A-T-I-O-N. That means to lie or falsify. And there are people who literally falsify their motives. Well, I'm free to do that. I certainly am. And they're equivocating. They're lying. They want to cover their evil intent. The guy who says, hey, God made horses. I'm free to go to Santa Anita. Boy, I go out there and enjoy God's creation. Those horses just run, and I say, praise you, Lord. Look what you've made while I'm dropping money all day long. And what you have there is a cloak of liberty put over the top of an evil intent, which is to gamble which, of course, is to take the stewardship that God has given and throw it into the air at the discretion of chance. So we ask ourselves, will it hypocritically cover my sin? That's the principle of equivocation. Am I falsifying a true motive? Number six. Now, this is very important. Will it violate the lordship of Christ in my life? Will it violate the lordship of Christ in my life? And for this one, I need you to turn to Romans chapter 14. Will it violate the lordship of Christ in my life? Now listen to this basic thought, all right? Grab this one. Every Christian should live in submission to the lordship of Christ. Everybody agree on that? All of us. 
are to live in submission to the Lordship of Christ. True? Do you understand that? Then do you understand the second point? That not all of us agree 100% on what the Lord would have us to do. Is that right? Some people think the Lord says no to this, and other people think the Lord says that's okay. Some people think the Lord says it's a sin to do this. Some people think it's okay. Now listen, not all of us, we, we would know the explicit things in Scripture, sure, but not all of us agree the same about what the Lord would have us do. Some people think the Lord wants you to read your Bible every morning of your life, and if you don't, you've sinned against God. Some people really believe that. Some people believe if you don't go to Sunday morning, Sunday night church, and Wednesday night prayer meeting, you've slipped spiritually. Other people are not bound in their conscience to do that. They can go Sunday morning. They can go Sunday night. Whether they go Wednesday night may be a matter of convenience. There are some people who want to read the Word as often as they can, but they're not bound in their conscience to read it every morning of their entire life. There are people, you see, who sense the Lordship of Christ in different ways. Now, please notice in Romans 14, verse 1. Well, let's start at verse 2. One believes he may eat all things. Another who is weak eats only vegetables. You've got people that are vegetarian. They think the Lord wants them to eat only herbs, and somebody else says, hey, you can eat anything you want. The one who eats, don't let him despise the one who doesn't eat. The one who doesn't eat, don't let him judge the one that eats. For God has received both implied. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he'll be held up. God's able to make him stand. One man esteems one day above another. That is, he wants to keep the Sabbath, make something special out of Sunday. He's what we call a Sabbatarian or one who sets the Sunday or the Sabbath aside. Another esteems every day the same. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regards the day wants to keep that day sacred. He does it under the Lord. He that doesn't regard it, he does it under the Lord too because he thinks the Lord is the Lord of every day. He that eats, eats to the Lord. He gives God, God thanks. He that doesn't eat to the Lord, he doesn't eat, and he gives God thanks that he doesn't eat. Nobody lives to himself and nobody dies to himself. We live, we live to the Lord. We die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, die, we are the Lord's. In other words... Whatever may be the restrictions in a Christian's life, he does them because he believes that's what the Lord wants. You got that? He believes that's what the Lord wants. Now listen to me. As long as you believe that, then do it. Or don't do it. And ask yourself the question, is this something I believe the Lord would want? Is this something I believe the Lord would not want? And that's a matter of what? Conscience. You say, well, what if your conscience is wrong? Don't violate your conscience. You'll never know if your conscience is wrong because if your conscience tells you that, it's because you think it's right. You've got conscience only reacts to, to the mind. And in your mind, if you believe a thing is right, your conscience will stop you. Or your conscience will impel you. The conscience is only a flywheel. The mind is the engine. The, the, the engine produces the action. The flywheel only engages behavior. And the conscience only takes what's in the mind, engages the flywheel, as it were, and generates behavior. If you violate your conscience, you're going to train yourself to do a very bad thing. Because as your mind grows to understand better what is right, when your conscience then tells you, if you've trained yourself to violate your conscience, your conscience isn't going to do you any good. So don't train yourself to violate your conscience. 
And that's exactly what he's saying. You ask yourself the question, will this violate my understanding of the Lordship of Christ? Some brother might come to you, and this happens all the time, and say, you can do that. Go ahead, you can do that. You're free, you're free, you're free. Well, you can do that. That's not wrong. It's perfectly all right. If it violates your conscience, what? Don't do it. Don't train yourself to ignore conscience. Paul says, I never do anything against my conscience. I don't want to sear my conscience with scar tissue so it's insensitive. The person who keeps the Sabbath, if a, if a person wants to sit on a couch and that's his way to keep the Sabbath, don't bug him about that. Don't reprimand him about that. Don't push him. I'll never forget the most classic illustration of that my father told me. He was in uh, Michigan in a, a revival, and on a Sunday night he said uh, to the pastor after the meeting, they started off for a, a week of a revival meeting, uh, the pastor said to him, what are you going to do tomorrow? And he said, well, I thought we'd get up in the morning and play golf. And then in the afternoon, we'll do some visitation. The pastor said, golf? During a revival? Aren't you committed to the work of God? Did you come here to play or to minister? He got very eloquent. My dad said a little of both. He said, in fact, I'd like you to come, and we could have some fellowship in the morning, get acquainted. He said, never Never I commit myself all week long to prayer, all week long to the revival. And my dad said to him, no, I think it would be great if you'd come. And the song leader's going to go, and it would be nice if you came along. No, I would never do that. I would never do that. Well, Monday morning, they were at the golf course, and guess who showed up? The reluctant pastor. And he said, as the story was relayed to me, I'm going to do this, but I know I shouldn't do it. I'm doing it out of hospitality. I know it isn't right. Now mark this. First hole, they teed off. Halfway down the fairway, somebody yells, Four! Pastor looks up and loses two teeth. My dad said he fell down beside a tree saying, I knew it. I knew it. And you want to know something? If he believed golf on Monday morning during a revival was wrong before that, you can be sure he believed it was wrong after that. So all you did for that man was push him deeper into his lack of freedom, his bondage. Don't do that. Don't do that. He read that as the judgment of God. And you want to know something? Well, may have been. God doesn't want any man to violate his conscience. So we don't want to do things that are going to lead people to ignore the lordship of Christ, which they perceive coming through their conscience. Let's call that the principle of encroachment. That means you're encroaching on the sovereignty of Christ in the life. If I choose to do something, let me sum that one up. If I choose to do something, it must fit within what I believe is the will of Christ my Lord, right? I don't want to violate that. I don't want to violate that. To violate that, in my mind, would be to take the control of my life, wouldn't it? To usurp the Lordship of Christ. I don't want to do that. That's encroaching. Number seven. This is basic. Will it help other Christians by its example? Will it help other Christians by its example? 
Boy, that's so important. We really do have to govern our lives by how other Christians will feel. First Corinthians 8, 9. You remember this one? Take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a what? Stumbling block to them that are weak. Somebody sees you sitting in an idle temple. Shall not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat the things which are offered to idols and so forth and so on? And then he's going to be destroyed because he followed your example. He's going to violate his conscience, wound his weak conscience, and you've sinned against him and sinned against Christ. Don't do that. Paul says in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, I have a right to be paid for my ministry. I choose not to be paid. I don't want anybody offended, right? So I set that aside. In Romans chapter 14, where we have been, from verse 13 on, that's the whole thing. Don't put a stumbling block or occasion to fall in your brother's way. If your brother's grieved with your food, change your food. That's what it says. Follow after the things, verse 19, that make for peace and build each other up. And don't destroy the work of God in his life because of your food. Don't eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother stumble, be offended, or made weak. It's so important. We have to ask ourselves the question, will it help other Christians by its example? Am I doing something that sets an example for them? You know, even just little things in life, the discipline of your life, uh, the fact that uh, you watch your diet or your weight or you have a certain disciplined time of study, says volumes to people who are checking in for patterns to follow. Those little things in life can be so important. So, do I want weaker Christians to follow my pattern? Let's call this the principle of example, of example. The principle of example. So, what have we got? The principle of expedience, edification. What's the next one? Excess, enslavement, equivocation, encroachment. Example, let's go to number eight. I love this one. Will it lead others to Christ? Will it lead others to Christ? Let not your good be evil spoken of, the Bible warns. Will what I do lead others to Christ? Boy, that's so important. Will they see a difference in my life? Will there be something unique about my life? Let me give you a classic illustration. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10. This is so practical. 1 Corinthians 10. Now, it's a little bit obscure in the text, uh, the English text, but the background is so great. Here's the picture. Now, just listen for a minute. Here's the picture, right? Two Christians. Two Christians. One is a very strong, mature Christian. We're going to look at verse uh, 27, 28, 29 right in there. 1 Corinthians 10. The first Christian is a very mature, very strong, very liberated Christian. He can eat meat offered to idols. He knows what 1 Corinthians 8 said is true, an idol is nothing. What's the difference? Well, you know what the process was, right? You go to worship some idol, right? Let's say you go uh, to some great temple, and you bring your offering, which is food, and you put your offering on the altar. Well, you know as well as I do that the God is a dead God. He's a dead idol, and he doesn't eat it. It just sits there. So after it sits there for a while and hundreds and hundreds of people keep bringing the food in, the priests take it away and they keep what they want to eat. 
Now, they can't eat it all because there's less of them than there are people making offerings. So they run the temple butcher shop out the back door. What they don't want, they take out, sell on the street at the best price because there's no markup for them. They got it for nothing. So you want to buy cheap meat, you buy it from the temple butcher shop. That makes sense. Your wife would shop there, so would mine. So the two of them, the the strong and the weak, they have a, a friend in common who's an unbeliever. They want to win him to the Lord. So the friend that's unbelieving invites the two of them to dinner. And they go to dinner. That's the idea of verse 27. If any of them that believe not bid you to a meal, and you be disposed to go, whatever is set before you, what? Eat. Don't say, sir, 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 where did you buy this? Just eat it. Don't ask. Questions for your conscience sake. But if the man voluntarily says, hey, this is bargain meat offered in sacrifice to idols. Oh, brother. The guy comes out and says, how do you like this beautiful roast? Boy, is that good. Yeah, I got it down at the temple butcher shop. What a bargain. And the weak Christian goes, oh. The guy goes back out to get the rest of the meal. What's going to happen in the conversation? The strong Christian is in a dilemma. The weak brother says to him, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. The strong brother says, but if you don't eat that, we'll offend the guy we're trying to evangelize. But if they go ahead and eat it, and don't offend the guy they're trying to evangelize, then he will have offended his brother. Cause him to stumble. So the dilemma is this. Do you, offend another bro- do you offend another brother or do you offend an unbeliever? That's the question. Do I offend a weaker Christian or do I offend a non-believer? What, it's, what does it say? If any man say to you, this is offered in sacrifice to idols, what? Don't eat it. For his sake that showed it and for what? The conscience of that weaker brother. Wait a minute. You mean when you're trying to evangelize an unbeliever, you're better off to offend the unbeliever than you are your Christian brother? Yes. Isn't it obvious? If you offended your Christian brother, the unbeliever would say, it's better to be an unbeliever than to be a brother. They offend each other. They don't offend me. I'll stay where I am. See the point? Well, when you offend that unbeliever and say, you know, this meat offered to idols would so offend my brother that I just can't eat for his sake. That unbeliever is going to say, now there is a brotherly love that I would like to experience. And the attraction of your love may be the greatest testimony that you have in evangelism. So I'm asking myself, and there's one illustration, the question, will it lead someone else to Christ? As I restrict my freedom, am I doing it with a view to winning someone to Christ? Showing him a different life. Showing him something that he doesn't see in his world. A purity and an honesty and a love and an integrity. In Romans 14 tells us that we are to be approved. We are to live lives, at the end of verse 18, that are approved by men. They say, boy, that's a different life. That's the principle of, here's another one, evangelism. The principle of evangelism. In doing this, is this enhancing my opportunity for evangelism? Number nine, 
Number nine. Here's another question you ask. Will it be consistent with Christ-likeness? Put it another way. Would Jesus do it? Boy, that's a heavy-duty one, isn't it? I used, I've used that since I was a kid. Would Jesus do this? Would Jesus say that? Most of the time in our lives we're saying, I know Jesus wouldn't have said what I just said, or Jesus wouldn't have done what I just did. I ask myself that before, not after, and prevent things that otherwise might not be prevented. Simple. Would Jesus do it? Well, that will really help you with a lot of decisions. Would Jesus do this? Would Jesus say that? Let's call that the principle of emulation. We want to emulate Christ. We want to emulate him. 1 John 2, 6. 1 John 2, 6 says, He that saith he abides in him, that is in Christ, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. If you say you belong to Christ, you ought to live like Christ lived. So I ask myself the question, would Christ do this? Would Jesus do this? Is this consistent with him, with Christ's likeness? That's such a provocative question. Would Jesus do this? Principle of emulation. Number 10, the last one. Very simple. Will it glorify God? Will it glorify God? And you know as well as I do that these kind of overlap. You ask yourself, will this glorify God? And the reference is 1 Corinthians 10.31. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatever you do, what's the rest? Do all of the glory of God. That's the... That's the sort of um, total covering principle. Will it glorify God? And let's call this the principle of exaltation. Now, are you ready for the wrap-up? Did you notice something? You couldn't have missed it. All ten begin with, begin with what? Now, listen. I call these the ease of decision-making. Not bad, right? This is the ease of decision-making. This takes something very difficult and makes it what? Easy. You got it. Very good. <laughs> now, the point is we can make the hard decisions easy if we use these principles. Will it be profitable to me spiritually? Will it build me up? Will it slow me down in the race? Will it bring me to bondage? Will it be simply a covering for my sin? Will it replace the Lordship of Christ in my life? Will it set a helpful example for others? Will it lead others to Christ? Will it be like Christ? And will it, what's the last one? Glorify God. MacArthur there looking at the last of 10 principles that can help you know the will of God. He calls this timely study here on Grace to You. If God's will is so important, why can't I find it? Now, John, by way of bringing your study to a close, why would you guess this idea of knowing God's will is such a, a major source of stress for believers? Why is it a paralyzing concept for people who really want to do what God wants them to do? Well, I personally think that people have been told and I mentioned this yesterday. People have been told to sort of listen for the voice of God. And I just don't think that's a valid way to approach your life. 
Look, if you want to hear the voice of God, he has spoken in his word. So if you're struggling with the will of God, go to the word of God and find out what God has already said he wills. There are those universal things that are the will of God. That's where you want to start. And then once you have mastered, if you will, what is revealed to be the will of God, the details in your life, the Holy Spirit will work out as the Spirit guides and as the Spirit leads. God's will is critical. We want to be in God's will, not just in the general sense, the spiritual sense, the moral sense, the biblical sense, but we want to know we're in the right place, married to the right person, going to the right school, doing the right job, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you can know that. If you get the foundation right, the Holy Spirit will direct the rest. We've had a great time in this brief series. If God's will is so important, why can't I find it? It is available to you in two CDs or two MP3 downloads only from Grace to You. The CDs are reasonably priced. The downloads are free. Friend, this study will help you sort out fact from fiction where God's will is concerned. The title again, If God's Will is So Important, Why Can't I Find It? Get your copy as you contact us today. With a two-CD album, which is a great resource for a friend who's paralyzed by fear of making the wrong decision, call our toll-free number 1-800-55-GRACE or go to the website gty.org. The cost is $12 and shipping is free. Now, if you'd like to download the MP3s to your iPod, they're available free at gty.org. Just look for the title, If God's Will is So Important, Why Can I Find It? And to buy the two-CD album, call our toll-free number 1-800-55-GRACE or go to the website gty.org. Remember the website only for the two MP3 files. And as you visit the website and tune into this broadcast, please keep in mind that our ministry is limited without significant support from listeners like you. Thanks for praying for us. And to ensure that God's truth continues to reach spiritually hungry listeners throughout the world, consider supporting us financially. Mail your donation today. The mailing address is Grace to You, Post Office Box 4000, Panorama City, California, 91412. Or call toll-free 1-800-55-GRACE. For John McCarthy's staff, uh, this reminder, please watch Grace to You television Sundays on DirecTV Channel 378 or watch online at gty.org. And then join us here Monday as John continues unleashing God's truth one verse at a time on Grace to You. How do you celebrate Christmas the right way? Well, a lot of it depends on understanding the real meaning of Christmas, which is John's focus starting Monday here on Grace to You. You're listening to 
the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 
this is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. on Jam Radio 2.1.
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Are churches legally required to give a receipt for online donations? On behalf of the Christian Law Association, that's attorney David Gibbs, Jr., and this is The Legal Alert. A church had a radio ministry and would make the broadcasts available online. When updating their website, they considered adding a tab that would allow people to make an optional donation for the broadcast, but they were not sure what was legally necessary. A Christian Law Association attorney explained that the church is not legally required to give a receipt for donations, but most do as a courtesy to the contributors. The church is required to keep a record of all contributions, including online donations. The attorney suggested that an electronic receipt be given to the donor at the time of any online donation. Maybe you're facing a legal issue similar to today's report on the legal alert, and maybe you wish you had a legal team to assist you. You do. The Christian Law Association is standing by with free legal support. Visit christianlaw.org to link up with us. That's christianlaw.org. Or call us toll-free at 888-252-1969. Glad you enjoyed it. But I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Tomorrow? <laughs> Let's check with Mom. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Let's make sure you have everything. Yep. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? 233 North Maple, please. It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Also, find fun activities to do like boating and biking or camping and hiking, plus much more. It's all right in your naturehood. Back day ever. A public service announcement brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 
Inspirations on Sunday mornings at 6am Eastern Time, right here.
dream one time I went to a visiting church. I had a dream I went to a visiting church. And y'all, not too long ago, I had a dream that I visited the Snoop Doggy Dog Community Church. I'm telling y'all, it was the weirdest experience that I had in a long time. I'm saying I went to the church, man, in the parking lot. All they had was low riders, deuces, and trays. I'm saying, walked into the congregation, man. The ushers all had cornrows and plaid shirts on. Deacons all on the front row, pimped out in leather suits, platform, derby. I'm serious, man. But man, Snoop Doggy Dog, his choir, they were good. I'm serious, man. I got ready to listen to Snoop Doggy Dog Choir. Man, and Snoop Doggy Dog Choir, they could sing. Y'all want to hear what it sounds like? Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the Snoop Doggy Dog Community Choir. Listen. Jesus is off the easy. For she's it. For she's it. Tyson came down, he was like, 
First of all, give me honor God to the pastor. I just want to say, you know, I thank the Lord for saving me, sanctifying me, filling me with the presence of the Holy Ghost. I thank him for delivering me from fighting, for delivering me from biting. He's giving me a new appetite. I'm hungry for the things of God. And I just want to say, pray my strength in the Lord that I may be the type of Christian that the Lord is calling for in these last and evil days. Mike Tyson, y'all give me some love. The Snoop Doggy Dog Community Church. Y'all enjoying yourselves so far? This is The Man in the Mirror with best-selling author Patrick Morley. Men, repentance helps bring us back into right relationship with God, but it doesn't make the sinful nature go away. Instead, repentance is like cutting a piece of string in half. No matter how many times you cut it in half, half is still left. Repentance is not merely asking God to make us into better men. It's asking Him to make us different and to change our ways. Repentance is most effective as a lifestyle of daily, even moment-by-moment self-awareness. Why is it so important? It's hard to picture a man ever leading a genuinely powerful, transformed life apart from a lifestyle of repentance. Get a free article by Patrick Morley about lifestyle repentance, along with other resources for spiritual growth, including the free app from Go Tandem that helps you stay in the Word of God each day. Go to mimradio.org. It's easy to take your world for granted. Most days go by without a whole lot of surprises. But what if a disaster strikes without warning? What if life as you know it has completely turned on its head? What if everything familiar becomes anything but? Would you be prepared? Before a disaster turns your family's world upside down, it's up to you to be ready. Get a kit. Make a plan. Be informed. Today. Learn how at www.ready.gov. Ready.gov. This message brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency and the Ad Council. Great party, huh, guys? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah this is so great. Fun. Uh-huh. I do say so myself. Um, hey, did you know that birthday parties actually help build confidence in kids? Um, yeah, I did know that. Did you know that giving kids less sugar before bedtime helps them sleep better? Right, of course. Yeah, I knew that. Um, did you know that strollers have the right of way on sidewalks? Oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Did you know that friendly kids statistically have more friends? <laughs> Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah? Pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Obvious. Hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? I didn't know that. <clears throat> think I knew that. No, I didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. This is Ann Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. All around us are broken homes, broken hearts, broken hopes. But God never intended us to be broken. He didn't just create us. 
plop us down on planet Earth and say, happy birthday. Now you can guess your way through life. God as our creator has specific directions for our lives. Psalm 119.2 says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. If we live according to his directions, our lives work. We're blessed and we experience life the way it was meant to be lived. If we ignore or reject his directions, we do so to our own detriment and experience much less than he intended. His directions form a pattern that prevents breakage of our lives to help mend the brokenness already present. Listen to me. Trust in his word, then follow his directions. Your life will work. This is Ann Graham Lodge.
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on a cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God 
and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Hallelujah. Saved. 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 Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? And are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way. There is no other message. For there is no other way. There is no other message. Oh, come to Him. Come to the Saviour tonight. Come to Him just as you are. Come to Him in your sin. Come to Him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. And cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to Him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord, for how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? For how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? How can I say thanks? For the things you have done for me, things so undeserved, that you gave your very life for the voices of a
Gloria a Dios.
right, check one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. This is Jam Radio Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.